Um, I'm going to be preaching on this passage that was just read. And so um, if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 1. If you don't, I want to let you know that there are Bibles on the round table in the back, and you are free to get up now and grab one of those if you'd like. Um, as we've mentioned already, today is, um, is Epiphany Sunday. And throughout history, there's been a big um, festival, a big holiday in the Christian church. And um, it's the day that we celebrate the revelation of who Jesus is. So in some traditions, they, they usually talk today about the visitation of the Magi coming to visit Jesus as a baby. In other traditions, they talk about the baptism of Jesus, where he is revealed to be the Son of God. But in both cases, we see that Epiphany is about who Jesus is, that he is revealed to the nations. He is revealed to the world that he is God come to save and rescue humanity. And I think we need epiphany. I think we need epiphany because we live in a dark world. And throughout Advent, we talked about the darkness of this world, and no doubt you know the darkness. And you may be walking through a darkness today, and you need epiphany. You need the light of Christ. But I think we also need epiphany because light and darkness is not something that we think a lot about in the modern world. Um, in a modern age of electricity, um, it's easy to take light for granted. But for most of human history, light and darkness was a matter of life and death. Light is about survival. You need light. And when you don't have it, you see how dangerous and terrifying darkness is. When I was in college, there were a couple of friends that lived across the hall from me. And... Um, these were, these were two emo kids, and um, we'll call them Jeffrey and Jeremy, and in case, in, in case they're watching, um, because that's what everyone else calls them, um, and uh, that's actually their names. Um, but Jeffrey and Jeremy were emo kids. They loved to read poetry and write music, and one day they decided, you know what we need to do? We need to go to Table Rock Mountain and hike to the top of Table Rock and watch the sunset. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't that be romantic? Wouldn't that be amazing? And so they, they drove to this mountain, Table Rock, Table Rock State Park. They hiked up to the top of Table Rock. They had this amazing experience. They were singing, you know, praising God, praying, watching the sunset. And it was this amazing sky, and the sun just slowly sinks down past the horizon. And then shortly thereafter, the light is gone. And it becomes very dark on the top of a mountain. And so one of them looked at the other and said, hey, did you bring a flashlight? And he says, of course I brought a flashlight. This is the days, remember, before flashlights on your cell phones when you just had the flip phone with the little green screen that could maybe illuminate a few steps, but nothing more than that. And so Jeffrey pulls out the flashlight, and as he does, he hears the sound, chink, chink, chink. The flashlight was making a weird sound, almost like if someone had taken one of the batteries out of it, um, and there was only one battery. And he says, "Hey, Jeremy, there's no, we're missing a battery." And he goes, "Oh yeah, I, I took it out to put in the remote control." <laughs> and they now found themselves on the top of Table Rock Mountain in the dark with no flashlight. 
and it became a terrifying experience because Table Rock is a mountain, and a mountain is something that you don't want to fall off of, and that's very easy to do in the dark. And so they started to grope around in the darkness, looking for trees to hold on to. At one point, they realized they're on the precipice. They're overlooking the cliff, and they realize we've how are we going to get down from this mountain? And they had an idea. Hey, we brought a disposable camera. And so they said, disposable cameras have flashes. So we'll take pictures. So they took a picture of the darkness and they saw a flash and they kind of walked a few steps. They took another picture and they walked a few steps. And then quickly they ran out of pictures on their camera. And they once again found themselves on the precipice of the mountain, holding hands, inching, trying to find the trail to get down. And they said, okay, we've got a little bit of battery left in our phones. If we can just get to a place where we have a signal, we can call somebody. So they um, finally get to a place where they have a signal and they decide, okay, who do we call? They decided, well, let's call the the girl that we have a crush on. Um, So they call this girl and... uh, She says, what are you calling me for? What do you want me to do about it? And um, she hangs up. And so then they decide, you know what? Is inside a disposable camera, there must be a battery in there. And so in the darkness, without even being able to see the camera in their hands, they disassemble the camera. They take it apart. And in case you're wondering, there's no battery on the inside of a disposable camera at least not a double A. And at that point, they realize we have two options here. We either curl up together and go to sleep on this mountain and wait for the sun to rise, or we call 911. And they decided to call 911. And a search party had to come out and rescue these two emo kids on the mountain in the darkness in the middle of the night. And the rescue crews were not very happy about that. But fortunately, they had left a note in the comment box saying, we'll be home by 10 p.m. And that was the one thing that that kept them from being fined, is that they had actually let someone, let the park know that they were up there. See, when you don't have light, you realize how necessary light is. I mean, that's kind of a rural example, but I remember once when I was living in Chicago, when the electricity went out, there were no street lights, no traffic lights, there were no cars coming down the road in my neighborhood, and I could barely find my way home to my apartment in my urban neighborhood because there was no light. See, light is necessary for survival. And John, in this passage, says that the, the light, the true light, has come. The true light has come into darkness. And there are some shocking, profound truths in this passage, but sometimes, like light in an age of electricity, it's easy to take for granted and easy to miss. And so the goal for today is that our eyes would be opened and that we would see the light and we would live in it and walk in the light to the glory of Jesus. And I'm going to loosely look at two things here, the meaning of the light and the mission of the light. So let me pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes? Would you enlighten us and illumine your word of truth for us today so that we may 
glorify you and live in the light and bring all things under the light of Christ. We pray this today in his name. Amen. John tells us, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, unlike us, light was an important part of the Jewish mind. Light was very important um, throughout, uh, throughout the first century to everyone, but especially to the Jewish people. As they're reading this, they know, like we mentioned last week, that John is looking back at creation. And they know that in Genesis chapter 1, the first page of your Bible, light is the very first thing that God creates in the heavens and the earth. In Genesis, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Light was the first let there be of creation. And light began to signify God's creative power, which brought order and harmony and shalom that created the world. And after the fall, sin became synonymous with darkness and the abyss and the void. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, God dwells in light, but sin, death, and the enemy dwell in darkness. In fact, light and darkness are one of the most common metaphors you'll see throughout the Old Testament. Um, If you look it up, you'll see it over and over and over and over again, light and darkness, light and darkness, so much that it can almost become commonplace to us. God appeared in the time of Abraham as a flaming torch. To Moses, he appeared in the burning bush, a bush that was on fire, that was illuminating the surroundings in the wilderness. In, uh, when he led his people through the wilderness, he appeared as a, a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. Why? So they could see in the darkness. In the tabernacle, in the temple, there was a lot of attention given to lights. There were lamps that were fashioned to look like the tree of life, and they were lit to bring light. So that when you came into the temple, you would see that God is a God of light. He's a God who dwells in lightness. And so... Light was an important part of describing who God is and what it was like to dwell in his presence. God's law was for his people a light and a lamp in the dark world. And goodness and righteousness and justice were described as light, where sin and violence and immorality and injustice were deeds of darkness. And in the blessing and the benediction that God gave his people that we still use today, do you remember what he says? He says, may his face shine upon them. May his light, may God's presence shine upon his people. And Israel was meant to bring God's light to a dark world that had been darkened by sin. So why why is this theme mentioned over and over Here's what we have to understand about light and darkness. It's not just a metaphor. It's not just a literary theme. See, in the Bible, light and darkness are describing a spiritual reality. In the Bible, the world is dark because of the curse, because of the fall. And the entire world is darkened by sin. The whole world is under the curse. And so when when the Bible talks about light and darkness, it's not just talking about good and evil. 
It's talking about the spiritual reality. Light is a revelation. Light is epiphany. And darkness is blindness. Darkness is the blindness of the curse. If you've ever um, tried putting your clothes on in the dark, uh, chances are you've, you've walked out of your house and maybe you had like two different shoes on or something. Um, last night I was in my house with the lights on and I couldn't even decide like, are these socks black or blue? You know, you've probably been there before. Um, light illumines, light reveals, light exposes. We need light to see and darkness is blindness. If we're in the dark, we can't see and that's what makes it dangerous. You know, maybe you've seen the bird box challenge. Um, I have to admit, I haven't watched the, the movie, um, but I have heard of this bird box challenge where people are blindfolding themselves and going about life doing like ordinary things and videotaping it. And I don't recommend it. If you've seen it, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to live life with a blindfold on. But here's what the Bible is saying. The Bible says that all of us born under the curse are living life in blindness. We're living life with a blindfold on. We're living in darkness. We don't like that. We don't like to think of ourselves as living in the dark. Especially here in the West, we like to think of ourselves as being enlightened. We're educated. We have technology. We have progress. But the Bible says if, if you don't know the true light, you're walking in darkness. See, we need epiphany. We need the true light of Christ to shine upon us. We don't just need a new resolution. We don't just need a new tactic. We don't just need education or technology or a good diet plan to remake us. We need the light of Christ. And without the true light, we're living in darkness. And I think sometimes we see the darkness of sin like we see darkness in a modern world. I think we look at sins and we just see it not, not as a blindness, not as a danger, as something that can destroy us and the people we love, but we see it as an annoyance. Do you treat your sin that way? Do you look at your sins of lying and gossip? Do you look at your um, drinking problem or your greed or your lust and say, well, well these are just my Picadillos. These are just my habits. These are just my proclivities. Or do you see that the darkness of the world, the darkness of the curse, of the sin and the injustice and the violence and the evil that we know that's out there in the world is also in our own hearts? That we also are affected by the curse and that the sins in our lives are just as much a part of that darkness as the evil that we see in the world. Do you see your sin that way? Do you see darkness as a danger? Or do you just see it as an annoyance? See, when, when the Bible talks about light and darkness throughout the Old Testament, it's saying that this sin condition that we all have is a blindness and the nations are blind and the whole world is blind. And because of our blindness, sin is what comes out of that. Evil is what comes out of that. It's like living life with a blindfold on. All of our reality is distorted. It's like putting your clothes on in the dark. 
everything you do in darkness gets messed up. Everything you do in blindness can easily go wrong. And that's what sin is in our world and in our hearts and in our lives. And the shocking part about this passage is not that is not just that the light has come. The shocking part is that light is not a law. Light is not a proposition to be, to be believed, but l- the true light is a person. The light has come into the darkness, and that light is the baby in Bethlehem. That light is the Word made flesh. That light is Jesus Christ come into this world to rescue those living in darkness. A few chapters later in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes this claim about himself, and he did it in probably the most audacious way possible. Um, He was at the Feast of Booths in John chapter 8. The Feast of of Booths is where they celebrated um, the fact that God had brought them through the wilderness, and they lived in, in tents, and so they built booths to live in. And at the end of this, there was a celebration of light. And at the celebration of light, they had these giant candelabras that were lit, um, that, that had set, uh, big bowls of oil at the top that men had to carry up ladders, 75 gallons of oil in each candelabra. And at one moment, they would light the candles. They would light the oil, and the entire city, which is on a hill, would be illumined. This is like Clark Griswold moment from Christmas Vacation. He plugs in the lights, and the lights just shine. That's what happens at the Feast of Booths. And in that moment, in that backdrop, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light. And if you don't have me, you're not enlightened. If you don't have me, you're walking in darkness. But if you have me, you have the light. See, the the light is Jesus It is a person, and the way to walk in the light is to follow the person of Jesus, to follow him. And where did he go but but into the darkness? So as we follow Jesus in this dark world, we walk in the light, and we take him wherever we go. You know what happened to Jesus in that passage when he said, I am the light? They got into a big disagreement with the people there, and eventually they picked up stones to stone him because of these audacious claims that he was the true light, that he was the God of the Old Testament, that before Abraham existed, he existed. And they picked up stones to stone us. And that is the same confession that we make every time we profess the Nicene Creed. He is true light from true light that he came into the darkness, into this world for us and for our salvation. Verse 9, he says, John says, The true light which gives life, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The light came into the darkness, and on the cross, he experienced the darkness of the curse. 
And he did it in order to rescue and to redeem us so that we could walk in the light, so that we could live life enlightened, not blind, not stumbling over ourselves, not with a distorted view of reality, but with the true light to see things the way they truly are. See, when we, when we believe in Jesus, when we confess him as the true light, something happens to us. We become enlightened. We see things differently. John describes it here as being reborn, as being born again. See, when you have the true light, it shapes the way you see everything. It shapes the way you see family. It shapes the way you see children, the way you see your work and your neighbors. It, sh- it changes everything. And when you have the light, it's, it's like a rebirth of seeing for the world for the first time. In your bulletin, you have a quote from C.S. Lewis. He said it this way. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. When you've been reborn, when you walk in the light, it starts to change you, and it changes the way you see everything. And so the way we walk in the light is to bring everything in our lives to the light of Christ, to, believe every, to not leave anything in the darkness. And I ask you today, are you, are you leaving parts of your life in the darkness? Are there places in your life where you're saying, I don't want to bring that to the light of Jesus. I like the darkness. I like the distorted way I'm seeing it. I don't want to bring my marriage to the light of Jesus. I don't want to treat my spouse in light of the grace that I have received. I don't want to treat my spouse the way Jesus treats me. I don't want to treat my children or my coworkers this way. What in your life needs to be brought to the light of Christ? See, here's the thing about darkness. When we walk in darkness, when we're blinded, we can even become blinded to our own sins. We can become blinded to the impact of sin in our lives, and we need to bring our entire world, every part of us, to the light of Christ so that we will be reborn, so that we can see everything in a new way, so that he will illumine the world that we live in. And we can do this because he is the light that's come into the darkness, because he came to redeem us, to bring us the light. Our rebirth is not by the will of man. It's not our own doing, but it's the will of God. He's the one who, who shines this light into the darkness. Now, here's the other shocker. It's not just that the light is a person, but it's that this light, this true light that's come into the world is for the world. That's what Epiphany is about. It's that this Christ is not just for the people of Israel. He is for the whole world. See, in the past, Israel would say, if you look in the book of Deuteronomy, Israel would say there are secret things that belong to God, but there are things that have been revealed. There are epiphanies that have been given to us and to our children. But in Christ... This true light comes not just to be the light of Israel, but to be the light of the world, to be the light of all mankind. And this was a shocker because he, they, they may have expected a light for Israel, but Jesus says, no, my mission is much greater than that. I have my eyes set on the nations. I will be the light of the world. And what that means for us is that 
he's not just our truth. He's not just what works for us. He is the only true light of the universe. He is the light for the nations. And so what does this mean for us? Well, John tells us that this true light is on mission, coming into the darkness. But he also tells us that, that we, as those who walk in the light, are supposed to bear witness to the light. That we too get to be on that mission, reflecting his light in the world. In verse 6, he tells us about a man who was sent from God, whose name was John. Now, you may have heard this as John the Baptist. I call him John the Baptizer because I don't want the Baptist to have any, you know, exclusive claims. He's ours too, okay? He's John the Baptizer. Um, John the Baptizer came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. And that's an important distinction. See, if we want to know, okay, what do we do with this? Jesus is the true light. I need to walk in him. I need to bring my whole life to him to walk in the light. But I also need to be on mission, bringing his light into the darkened world. See, we have a job to do to join his mission. We get to bring his light into the darkness of this world. We get to proclaim his, his light in the darkest places of our world. And how do we do it? How do we do this? Well, we might think, if I can just become good enough, then maybe I can tell the world about him. Maybe if I become really good, then the world will see me and, um, and they'll glorify God. And that, there's some truth to that, right? Like our good deeds do proclaim the message of Christ. But what you might do is you might say, okay, so what am I going to do? I'm going to set some New Year's resolutions to become better. And once I get better, then I can join the mission of God. Because if I proclaim the message of Jesus now, who will believe me? Because I'm a hypocrite. So one way, you know, you could say, let me just get better, and then I'll proclaim I'll proclaim, I'll join his mission and I'll proclaim the gospel of Jesus. But what did John do? And how was John known? John the baptizer was known not for how good he was, but he was known for bearing witness to the light. He was not the light, but he bore witness to the light. You know, John the baptizer, if we look at him later on, he meets Jesus and he says, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. And he says these famous words, I am not the Christ. See, maybe we can actually proclaim the gospel, not, not just in our good deeds, but in our weakness as well. You know, maybe we can proclaim the good news in our sin, in our brokenness, in our frailty, in our lack of faith. Maybe... As we do that, we can actually proclaim with John that we are not the Christ. We are not the light. He is the light. You know, I had a, a seminary professor in grad school that made all of, all of his students every morning stand up and say, I am not the Christ. Um, and I'll tell you, I hated it. I hated it. Because I'm like, I know that. I know I'm not Jesus. I don't, I don't have that big of an ego. 
Um, I don't think I'm the Messiah of the whole world. Um, I don't need my, my ego to be brought down a few notches. But you know what I've realized since then? I've realized that that message is liberating. I don't have to be the Savior. I can't fix myself, much less my wife or my kids or my neighborhood. I'm not the Christ. But what I can do is, like John, I can bear witness to the true light. And maybe we can do that at our, at our best when we're showing that, that we believe in this light not because of anything that we've done, but because he has come into the darkness to save us. Maybe we can witness to the light, to the darkened world, through our weaknesses by saying, I am not the Christ. Maybe his grace will be sufficient for us as we proclaim to the world, I'm not saying that I'm better than anyone else. I'm saying that the light has come into the darkness, even the deep darkness of my own heart, and has given me a rebirth, has made me born again to see the world as it really is. We must decrease so that he would increase. Maybe as we proclaim this message to our neighbors and our coworkers and our family, we, we can lead with our weaknesses and show that it's actually God's grace and his light that saves us. In fact, if you read 2 Corinthians, Paul makes this exact same claim. He says in chapter 4, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God has shown his light into our hearts. And he says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What if we looked at our sin and our disbelief and our doubts and our weaknesses and we told the world about those things? What if we told the world about how rebellious and broken we are? And we said, but there's good news. There's one who is true light. There is one who will rescue you, who will show you grace, who will forgive your sins, who will make you new, who will give you a new life, and you can be born again and see the world as it really is. And all you have to do is believe. You don't have to wait until you're a better person or a better version of you. That's the true enlightenment, is to see yourself for who you really are and to see Christ for who he is. It's almost like that Leonard Cohen song, Anthem, where he says, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Except for, for those of us who believe in Christ, it's the reverse. The light is in. The light has shown in our hearts and the cracks are how the light gets out. It's how we show the world that Christ came to save sinners, even us. And as we do that, I think what we'll see is that, um, that Christ is a rescue team that comes to save us in the darkness. Not like the rescue team that rescued my friends on the Table Rock Mountain that were 
grumbling about it and cursing them under their breath. But God is a savior who joyfully comes into the darkness of the world and he seeks you out and he saves you. And all you have to do is humble yourself and make that call and ask for help. Ask for him to save you. And as we proclaim that message to the dark world, as we proclaim this message of God's free grace that's given to us in Christ, salvation through faith, we preach and bear witness to the light in the darkness. But as we do that, we also um, do that proclaiming that his light will someday fully come. And so we proclaim, we join his mission, not just in our weakness, but we also join his mission as people who are living lives of hope in a dark world. Throughout the scriptures, we read it earlier in the prophet, uh, from the prophet Isaiah, that a day will come when God himself will be our light and darkness will be no more. And John prophesied of that day too, and he says that someday there will be no darkness. And the, the last page of your Bible He said, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. Someday the darkness will be defeated because Jesus Christ came into the world, the true light, into the darkness of the world and the darkness did not overcome him but he overcame the darkness. And someday there will be no more darkness. There will be no more blindness. Jesus Christ will be revealed and we will know him and we will see him face to face and we will live forever in his light. And maybe that's why the early Christians were so excited about the light of the world. Did you know that one of the oldest, the oldest um, hymn outside the Bible that's still in use today is this hymn that's, that's used, uh, it's titled by its Greek phrase, Phos Hilaron, gladsome light or cheerful light. And the way that this hymn would be used is at the setting of the sun, when the sun goes down and darkness comes on the earth, the earliest Christians who worshiped Jesus as the true light, as they were lighting their candles and lighting their lamps, they would sing this song about the true light that came into the world. And it goes like this. It says, O gracious light, gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun, and our eyes behold the vesper light. We sing your praises, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified throughout all the worlds. He is the true light. And they reminded themselves of that every single day when the sun was setting. The true light is the light of the world, and he will someday come and return and put an end to darkness. May we live our lives in the light of Christ, and may we join him in his mission and proclaim it to the nations, to the glory of his name. Amen.